It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. I'd like to share with you a story. It might even sound like a fairy tale. And it goes like this. Once upon a time, there was a man who lived in a land of ice and snow. He spent his life on the land and learned the ways of his people. And one day he went on a journey and found himself in the land of warmth and light, and it was an unfamiliar world. He explored and discovered many things, but still had a longing in his heart for his people and his home. He began to write songs about his life and how he missed the snowflakes blowing in the wind. He shared his stories and songs for all to hear, and people started to listen. And with every note he sang, he felt closer to home, and his sadness began to disappear. At the same time, in a land of concrete and noise, there lived a woman. She yearned for nature and for the sounds of the forest that were deeply rooted in her memories. This woman went through life always feeling like there was a bigger plan for her. She tried many ways to fill the yearning in her soul, but nothing seemed to work. In one fateful day, she rediscovered her culture and learned the ways of her people, even though they had been hidden for generations. The woman brought back the stories to her ancestors and shared them with all who would listen. She sang her songs, and with every note she sang, she began to heal. Then one day, led by a rainbow in the sky, the woman of concrete and noise and the man of ice and snow traveled to the same place. The sky glistened pink, and they knew that the ancestors were hard at work. They sat by a sacred fire where two rivers met and listened. The man and the woman heard beautiful music, and new voices surrounded them. They both took a deep breath, grateful for where they were, thankful for what they had been guided to and by the lessons they had learned along the way. And in that magic moment, their voices met in perfect harmony. The ancestors knew what the woman and the man were searching for all along, that this man and this woman should meet with the flames of their hearts and that the fire had been there all along. Now they soar without fear, no longer searching. And that could be the end of this fairy tale, but in fact, it's not a fairy tale. It's the backstory of how my guests today on Moment of Truth met and became the musical duo Twin Flames. Chelsea June is Métis, Algonquin Cree from Ottawa, and Yage is Inuit and Mohawk from Nunavik. I'm going to introduce them in a moment, but first I want to give you a little bit of a, a, a background on Twin Flames themselves. They are the Native American Music Award winners in 2018 for Group and Best Folk Album of the Year. In 2017 and 2016, they were the Best Aboriginal Songwriters of the Year for the North American Music Awards. And in 2015, they had their Best Language Album with Nunaga, and that was 2015. But let's bring it up to date. This year, 2019, Twin Flames were asked... Uh, and are the residents, artists in residence for the Folk Alliance International and partnering with UNESCO. And they wrote a song called Humans. You may have heard that. It reached number one on the Indigenous Music Countdown. And uh, because it is the year of Indigenous languages internationally. Uh, I would like to welcome Chelsea and Yaye. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. 
I hope you don't mind that I sort of borrowed the story that you had on your website there just to uh, uh, paraphrase it a little bit and bring that story up to date. I thought it was a very, uh, very lovely way of, of telling a story differently than just the usual kind of, yeah, we were here, we were there, so we met kind of thing. Thank you so much. You know, our life has been this incredible journey where we're just going a thousand miles an hour. And to look back at the beginnings uh, and rehear that story, it's actually a story that I wrote um, not long after Yaya and I met. And, you know, we felt it was very important as storytellers and as as keepers of oral history that that we share that as well with with the people as you said in a little bit of a different way than the regular way <laughs> well i think it speaks uh, a lot about the two of you as well now it, i'm not sure if if you remember but you and i uh we both we had a chance to meet briefly in burlington last year when you guys were there at i believe the gord downey tribute show that you were performing at mm-hmm. yes we remember. we remember yeah so it was great to meet you both and um and and I, I think I can safely say that that from meeting you and seeing you perform and seeing the kind of music that you do that that story speaks uh, speaks uh, to the two of you and how you perceive things and how you look at life and and I, I and again I just think it's a, a really lovely uh, fairy tale type love story if I can use the word for for you guys to have come together and it hasn't been that long you know you guys really it's a short period of time when you look at it. Yeah, it's been uh, this this summer is our fifth summer uh, touring, and uh, it's been it's been a blast. I mean, we we get to see the world uh, with each other. It's almost like taking a vacation and then going off to uh, to sit in front of or, or stand in front of people that are sitting just just waiting to hear our songs and and stories. Hmm. So listen, uh, humans, uh, congratulations on the number one there with, with that song. But but let's start with that because it's the most recent. And you guys were actually asked to uh, to be the artists in residence for Folk Alliance International and to come up with this song, Humans, for the uh, International Year of Indigenous Languages. Yeah, it was truly a huge, huge honor for us um, when the President Angus Finnan uh, reached out about the project. Uh, you know, Yaya and I, it was another moment of having to pinch ourselves, like, as if this is really happening. And so uh, we had less than a month uh, to write this song, compose the song, produce the music video, and have it ready for the official launch um, at uh, right after Tanya Tagak's, or right before, sorry, Tanya Tagak's keynote speaking event at Folk Alliance International. And so it was, you know, this thing that we did with, with so much love in our hearts and you know, for Yayi, I'll let him speak for himself on, on how important it is uh, to preserve his Inuktitut language and, and to help the youth uh, kind of find their way back uh, to the language and their identity. And for myself, having never grown up with language and having multiple generations of, of non-language speakers in my family, um, it was also uh, very important uh, to be able to share this story on a larger scale and, and share you know, it really tied into our whole vision and our whole music and, and what we've been trying to put forward in the world. So, uh, yeah, it's really been a gift, I feel. Yeah, and, you know, I often look at this, uh, the language uh, issue uh, with a two-edged sword, um, you know, cutting at, the, cutting at the world where on one side, you know, I, I truly appreciate that I was, I was taught my language uh, by my, adopted parents which were my grandparents and they were the perfect uh uh couple to do it because they were elders and 
And then on the other side, we see a lot of youth across across uh, Turtle Island that obviously have lost their languages, such as uh, the conversation that uh, Chelsea just uh, just talked about, and the amount of uh, criticism that that um, the the people get because when they're asked where are you from, what is your nation, you speak your language, and some of them unfortunately do not, and then they get told. Well, you're not you're not that nation then because you don't speak it, and it hurts a lot of our people. And you know, we we've we've toured enough now to see um, the amount of uh, effect that has on people, and that's the worst thing you can say to our people when you tell them that you cannot speak your language, therefore you are no longer, let's say, you're no longer Inuit because you don't speak Inuktitut. And you know, our nation is already uh, dealing with a lot of stuff over 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 time, and it just uh, it just hurts a lot to, to see that. I can uh, I can identify with that readily. I know exactly what you're saying, uh, especially if it's coming from someone within the community. Indeed, and that's that's one of the things that we're trying to encourage when we when we tour. You know, we uh, our our storytelling happens in between our songs, uh, kind of like a, a soundtrack uh, introduction. So when we talk about such events uh, such as this. You know, we try to tell our listeners that we have to be human beings in all of this. We cannot uh, tear each other down because we're already dealing with a lot of things from the outside. And I think that, uh, you know, that's that's one of the things that we're trying to encourage our our fellow Inuit, our fellow Indigenous people to to stop judging each other and tearing each other apart. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it is something that is unfortunately uh, prevalent. Um, so the song "Humans," you, did you record it in the north? You certainly were in the north. Some of the a lot of the visuals are from the north. Uh, no, actually, the song "Human" was recorded in Ottawa, Ontario, mm-hmm. and uh, we recorded the song at Raven Street Studios with our produ- producer uh, Jake Jones. And uh, we do a lot of work in the in, in the north, but we're actually based in the south, uh, which makes travel a little easier uh, for our touring schedules. And uh, yeah, it, it, we kind of wrote it, brought it to life, and all of that in in, in Ottawa. Uh, did you take it north? Did you premiere it north with any of the people? Because I'm just wondering about the visual side of the the the, the video that went along with the song. Um, were yeah. they stock pictures? I know. I think you mentioned something about a photographer or somebody in, that went with you for that. Yeah, there was there was a, a group of uh, students uh, in a, in a college uh, in in Ottawa called mm. Nunavutu and Iksavut, uh, and um, we had gone into into that uh, that venue to 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 be a, including these awesome people, uh, especially with a very short amount of time to do so and uh and so those pictures that you see is actually photographed with those students that were there yeah it was it was amazing it was almost like a little mini party where (laughs) all the students got to come in and have their picture taken um by photographer sean sisk who's incredible and uh we also had a videographer who we work with quite often matt provincial he came in uh as well so they were kind of both of them uh shooting video at the same time as shooting photographs so our our thing was to capture uh visually um you know inuit first nation Métis, all in one video, in one space, 
sharing that space together, and then also including other cultures. So the reason why the video is in black and white, it comes in all around to the, the true message of the song is that we're all human, we're all people. And yes, we come from different nations, we come in different colors, and that message has been repeated throughout history, throughout time, that you know, we should be equals and, you know, it, it's not overplayed for us because we really feel like people, especially today and in, in what's happening all around the world, is like we're getting further and further away from that basic human right of just existing. Yeah, yeah, we could go on about the world, that's for sure. Let's uh, let's bring it back a little bit to, to uh, the two of you for a second. Um I, I'm interested in in how your your cultures influence what you do, and you've already extended that to talk a bit about your going in and and helping youth with language and trying to share these stories and things. But um, uh, uh, Chelsea, you're Algonquin Cree. That's part of the Métis side of your your heritage, correct? That's correct. Yeah. And, and your was it your mom in Manawaki? Is that? Yes. So my mom's from Manawaki. My grandmother. Um, we're generations of Métis. Um, the thing with my story is that, you know, I didn't get to grow up with my culture and it was something that I always really longed for. Uh, my mom, you know, when I was a little girl, every night before bed, she would sing me that song, Anikuni, and it's like actually a French song, but written to sound like an Indigenous <laughs> language because it was the one thing that she had that made her feel like she could be closer to to her culture and from the heritage that had been taken away. And uh, it was the same thing. Like my grandmother tells me stories of her and her sisters living in between the two worlds. So, you know, they, they couldn't live in the French Catholic town because they were known as half breeds and they weren't allowed to live on the reservation because they had been mixed for too many generations. And so it was always living in these two worlds and never really truly belonging to either one. Hence, loss of language, loss of identity, loss of culture. And so it was for multiple generations. And um, for me, uh, I just ended up getting a job by chance. Uh, I was hired as a, as a student uh, to work for Indigenous and Northern Affairs. And I was able to, for the first time, meet with elders and, and see other Indigenous people and be around my people and you know, at first I was very worried because I'm so white <laughs> on the exterior that there would be, um, you know, a divide. Uh, but I, I, I didn't feel that, you know, I just felt very welcomed into the culture, very welcomed with open arms. And it was all those things that I wish I could have grown up with. I, I was able to give that to my children, you know, and, and let them come to ceremony and let them meet with elders and hear the stories. And, you know, my mom came back into ceremony. My grandmother's come back into ceremony. And I think, you know, just it's been such a healing for our entire family. Um, and it's it's never too late, you know, and there's been so many times where we perform on stage and I have other, you know, very white looking Métis that come up after the store, after the, the songs and after the show and, and they thank me, you know, and they thank me for letting them feel like they can embrace that part of themselves that they've been worried about embracing because of what other people would think. And, you know, if I have to be the example for that, that people can embrace who they are, um, no matter where that is and no matter where they come from, then, you know, I'm happy to serve as that example because it hasn't been easy. Mm. And um, I'm just so grateful that I get to uh, 
see my culture, embrace my culture, um, be my culture, and and represent it on a international scale, and hopefully stop all those stereotypes on on what we we all look like, right? Right. Nicely said. That was uh, Chelsea June. She is part of Twin Flames. You're listening to Moment of Truth on Element FM. I'm your host, David Moses. My guests today are Twin Flames. They are Chelsea June and Yaya. And going over to Yaya, uh, your background is also split, Yaya. You're, you're part, you're, you're, you were raised in northern Nunavik, I believe, but also your, your uh, paternal grandfather is uh, from Ganawage, Mohawk. Yes, my uh, biological father. Yes, is, sorry. Uh, yes, um, you know I often uh, I often joke about this um, where I'm, I'm a hybrid. You know I'm Inuk <laughs> and I'm Mohawk. You know one of the old words uh, for Inuk is Eskimo, mm. so I'm an Eskimo hawk. So. <laughs> 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 so yeah, no, I I, uh, I grew up in a little community called Huata. Um, my my biological mother uh, traveled up north after having me. Um, I was uh, I was about a year old, I guess, and and uh, went up north uh, to mourn the loss of her brother, uh, who was uh, in an accident. And so, um, you know, she visited with my now uh, parents and. She uh, she ended up uh, going back home without me, and my biological dad was uh, was quite hurt, and uh, he he uh, ended up uh, getting custody of me uh, through the courts. Uh, but then my uh, my grandparents at the time uh, decided to file for custody as well, and they won. So I'm 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 one of those uh, poster boys for traditional adoption. I was the first one to ever be adopted on the basis of culture. Mm. So, um, you know, most people go down to Florida in the winter. I went up north with my grandparents. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, one of those things. I'm a, I'm a, I guess, a literal, literal snowbird. <laughs> so you, you guys uh, have this, this wonderful blend of things that you're bringing together, and it shows up in your music, of course, and in your, your performances, and also the workshops that you do as you travel around. Uh, we've talked a lot about the latest song that you you have coming out or is his out. I'm thinking of your new album that you were telling me about. That's uh, you're going to be going into the studio to record soon. Uh, the song "Humans" is uh, is the one that you recently did, and it is uh, in regard to the International Year of Indigenous Languages. So we'll give that a spin and and have a listen to that, and then we'll come back and talk more with Twin Flames. Don't go away. Welcome back to Moment of Truth, and that was Humans by Twin Flames. That song written by Twin Flames for the International Year of Indigenous Languages. They were asked to be artists in residence for Folk Alliance International uh, for 2019, and uh, UNESCO partnered with that, and for them to write that song for, uh, for the International Year of Indigenous Languages. We talked about that earlier in the show, and they said they were very uh, honored to be able to to write that song. By the way, if you're list, in, if you're interested in finding out more about Twin Flames, you can go to their website. It's twinflamesmusic.com, and you can find out more about the group right from the get-go. Now, I have to tell you, uh, don't be alarmed when you get to the website. It does kind of look the first picture you should see kind of reminds me of an IKEA furniture shot with them lying on their bed. <laughs> 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 I had to throw that in there, guys. I hope you don't mind. 
No, and that story has an amazing, that photo has an amazing story. Um, okay, let's hear it. Yeah, we were actually uh, at the Fairmont in Montreal, the Queen Elizabeth, and that's where the Beatles filmed Give Peace a Chance. Wow. Um, well, not the Beatles, but John Lennon, John Lennon and Yoko. Yeah. And so that picture is actually taken in the exact hotel room in which they filmed <laughs> the music video for Give Peace a Chance. And that's where Folk Alliance uh, International was held. So the same place that Human aired, um, the video and the song is actually the same hotel where Give Peace a Chance was filmed uh, 50 years ago, which is so incredible. And so that's what that photo is, <laughs> us lying in the John and Yoko bed. <laughs> well, that's great. I'm glad I brought that up then. That's a fabulous way to link into the song and, and the website. So. You're I'm, actually the second person that has mentioned that. And I'm glad to see they changed the linen. <laughs> yeah, they did. Hopefully, <laughs> the John Lennon, eh? <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So, listen. Um, what can you guys tell us about the upcoming uh, album that you're working on? Well, we won't we won't del- delve into it too too much okay. because we want it to be a surprise. But sure. uh, it is it is obviously uh, a little bit uh, different than the first two. I mean, we've been in the folk uh, folk community. And it's been a great community, and we're not leaving the folk community, but it, it it's gonna have a little bit more edge than than mm. uh, what you're used to hearing. Mm. Not to say that uh, it's gonna be uh, metal or anything like that. <laughs> but, uh, <Right. laughs> our new our new band members are amazing. Um, you know, we've been touring since uh, since March with them, and uh, you know, it's been it's been such a great addition. They're all sleeping right now, just dreaming of what they're gonna be putting on our songs. <laughs> Yeah, we're actually at a, we'd rented this house in the middle of Alberta, uh, farmlands. So we, we said, let's finish writing all the songs for the album. So all these songs that are kind of half written will be actually coming to life and birthed right here in Alberta, mm. which is, is pretty cool. And I, it's, it's, you know, it's, we've always been truthful and honest in our music and in our songwriting. And I would say when, when I first started personally, it, it was always scary because it's like the truest form of putting yourself out there, right? Art, it's just raw and there for people to consume as they want and to rather like it or not. And I think, you know, with this album, uh, it's it's a lot, um, we're diving kind of deeper into uh, everything that we've kind of lived in this short five years of being, I guess, in a bit of a spotlight and um, just so much that we've seen. You know, I, I th- we're both extremely privileged. Like, we've played over 900 shows in the past five years and toured to places that most people never, ever get to see and, you know, listen to the stories of the people that live there and listen to the community's needs and, you know, listen to the strength and the resilience and many of those stories have resonated with Yaya and I into the things that we have overcome in our lives, um, both living um, sober lives in the music industry and um, taking in all of these stories from different people. Um, sometimes it's heavy, you know, and, and we're not at all complaining, but um, it's, it's one of those things where music has and always will be our outlet. And so a lot of these new songs, I think, are going to be... Um, even more so, um, I guess, really... Uh, playing with the mind. Playing with the emotions, yeah. playing with the heart, and just, 
you know, letting people see that we are just regular humans like everyone else. It's just we happen to be, you know, singer-songwriters who have been given this incredible gift to have a public voice when so many of our people do not get to voice what they really truly want to. So I think we've always been very uh, conscious of that and wanting to use it uh, our public voice to the best of our abilities to make a difference and to to help those of our people that are listening and even non-Indigenous people that are listening to continue their own healing journeys and their own journeys of, of understanding. And if we help with that at all, which we receive overwhelming amount of messages just thanking us for our music. Um, so we're going to kind of continue, I guess, in, in that direction for sure. Um, you know, I, I want to come back to something that um, uh, that I, I think is interesting. Uh, Yaya, you are a former police officer. Yes, I am. How long I did you am. How long did you serve, and and where? I was uh, twelve years in the force up in uh, Nunavik. Okay. Um, it's a it's, the Nunavik is uh, is made up of fourteen isolated flying only communities. And we had the first Inuit police force and only Inuit police force in the world. Um, um, and so I started that right after high school. Mm. And uh, I, I mean, I loved what I did, um, uh, but politics got in the way and I, I no longer, uh, I mean, I look back at it and I think it was a very um, growing thing. Yeah. Whether it's a growing thing or, or whether it's uh, teaching me to uh, try to be the best person I can be. Um, you know, it wasn't always easy. I mean, working in, uh, in, in in that kind of field is never easy for anybody. But then working in in, a, in, in your own communities and, and dealing with your own people and, and family members and the things that I've seen, I think uh, I think uh, that kind of touches upon what's, what's, what's to come in the uh, in the album as well. Mm. Well, listen, guys, uh, it's really been wonderful having you on the show, and it's been wonderful speaking with you. You have some upcoming dates, though, I wouldn't mind sharing, especially uh, getting into September. Uh, you're going to be in Ontario uh, from the 12th to the 15th. Uh, yeah, can you tell us a little bit about those gigs coming up? So uh, we're going to be part of the Legacy Project again this year, mm. uh, where we'll be joining amazing uh, Canadian artists on stage uh, to play tribute to Gord and all of the amazing music that he made and also help the Wenjet Foundation mm. uh, as well. So uh, I know a lot of the performing arts centres have built these legacy spaces, uh, which has been you know, a beautiful thing to see and where conversations are expanding around reconciliation. And so we will be a part of that. Mm-hmm. as well um we are doing as well ontario presents this year which is a, so- a showcase okay and uh other than that in ontario uh we're going to be playing with the nac orchestra and susan of Bucart, um at in in september on the 21st and the 22nd for two amazing shows and the nac orchestra is actually learning our song human uh which will be performed during that show with us and it's just this <laughs> we still have to pinch ourselves for that moment too. <laughs> um, from there, we're heading off to Florida. We're we're showcasing in Orlando, and then we're showcasing in Charlottetown at Contact East. Um, so, awesome. yeah, for sure, encourage if if people want to check us out. Uh, our website is the way to do that. 
We have links to all our socials. Uh, we're extremely active on Facebook and Instagram, and we kind of have a really unique journey in which uh, we're very um, – I guess we love sharing it with our fans. There's no other way to put that. So uh, a lot of pictures, a lot of videos of all the crazy, amazing things we get to do. And our band, our bandmates are, are amazing uh, personalities as well and, and just great and a joy to watch um, just their, their reactions to this whole uh, crazy life that they've embarked on with us. So we, we um, encourage people strongly uh, to support us by liking our pages and uh, following our journey and listening to our music. We're on Spotify, iTunes, all the major platforms. Our, our albums are available online. And if you want hard copies, we're still old school where we mail them out. So just contact us uh, through our website, and uh, we'd be happy to get those to you. Yeah, and don't forget Facebook uh, Facebook uh, page is uh, Twin Flames Music, or at Twin Flames Music, and our Twitter and, and uh, Instagram are at Twin Flames Band. Okay, sounds great. And, um, you know, the other thing, uh, as you go to, to the, your webpage, as you mentioned, and you go on to the, uh, the bio section, um, it was, it, there's a little, there's a little piece that says, Twin Flames, up close and personal at the very bottom of that page, with you guys talking about your music and things. Uh, it's interesting to see you both sitting there with glasses on. It is so outdated, so we need to get a new one. That's what we've had a few people say. You guys look like a mom and dad, and we literally are mom and dad. And so uh, when we started out this thing, we really had to work on our artist image, I guess. So that, that's been a complete journey as well. Um, well, in the pop. You know what? Oh, I'm glad you mentioned uh, image because I think that's the one thing you guys have down. Um, you know, when I first saw you in Burlington and met you briefly there, uh, and and you know, this is aside from the music and the music that you guys do and everything that you do is wonderful. But you guys have a great look. You look great together. You have a very, very, uh, very strong image that you bring forward, and uh, it doesn't hurt. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, too. I really appreciate that. In the meantime, again, I want to say, and, and also, uh, uh, it, did I say that uh, correctly, Yaya? In the Nunavut dialect, yeah, you did. Yeah. In, in, yeah. My, in, my, in my dialect, it is Nakokmik. And okay. I, must say, uh, I must say, like we both listen to your stuff, and, and it's always truly inspiring, and you have such a great radio voice, and, and uh, the way you're very smooth. So it's very easy to talk with you. So thank you for that. Yeah, and the interviews are so interesting. Like whenever we're home and we can tune in, like it's like, okay, moment of truth is on today, you know? And it's just, it's, it's been a joy to, to listen in on the stories and the, the variety that you're bringing to the airwaves. So thank you for being so entertaining. Nyawa, <laughs> mm. uh, uh, for that. I appreciate it. It's nice to hear. And... Uh, you guys are now part of it. So congratulations uh, once again for everything that you're doing for the upcoming part. I don't know, know what I want to ask you about now. The music and the workshops, because you guys do a lot of workshops in, in communities and help kids and those kind of things. How do you divide up your time for that kind of stuff between music and the workshops? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Called Under Eye Foundation. <laughs> 
No, um, you know, we we work with this great company uh, in the Ottawa area called Mask, and they are all about getting arts into schools. And so usually what we do is we look ahead and we see the chunks of time in which we are home and we're able to get into the school. So we've been working with the Catholic school boards as well as the public school boards and getting in to, to do workshops on cultural, um, you know, cultural desensitization and also just presenting the music in the different languages and getting kids involved that way and starting the conversations um, from kindergarten all the way up to universities. And uh, it's been amazing. Uh, when we first started out, we were doing a lot more actually in communities when we were up in the north a lot more. Um, but the cost of bringing um, us up sometimes is, is very uh, difficult for the school boards up there. So we still try to get up as much as we can. If we're playing shows or performances up there, then we always link in uh, visits to the schools, the workshops, the hospitals, um, and uh, the patient care services off-site. So we do as much as we can uh, to get back to our communities and give back to our communities. And um, also just you know, the kids are, are what are going to change Canada's future. And so if we can start those conversations really young and have them not grow up in ignorance, then we both truly believe that, that that's going to be a change for, for all of us living here. Mm. Chelsea June and Yaye are twin flames. They were my guests today on Moment of Truth. We were fortunate enough to get them on the line from Alberta today, and uh, they are going into the studio to record a new album. We'll always look forward to hearing more from that in the future. Just want to say again, Yao Miigwech and Wanishi for uh, taking the time to join us today on Moment of Truth, and we look forward to seeing you again in the future. Miigwech. Thank you. All righty. That's uh, Twin Flames on the line, and uh, if you want to know more about them, twinflamesmusic.com is their website. There you can find out more about their music, their bios, and uh, everything that's going on. Their social media links are there, I believe, as well. That's the show for right now. Don't go away. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. In the second part of our show today, do you have any unsettled scores? And I don't mean with someone or something. I mean musical or theatrical unsettled scores. Well, if you do, perhaps our next guests can assist you with resolving or at least engaging you in how you might approach those unsettled scores from a performance-related view. Unsettled Scores was co-founded in 2006 by Spy Denome Welch and Catherine McGowan. And together they have created and presented solo, chamber, orchestral, and opera compositions, as well as theatrical and multimedia works. They have also presented at conferences and festivals and conducted workshops on topics such as intercultural collaboration and decolonizing through music. Interesting. Dr. Spy Denoma Welch is an Anishinaabe Algonquin multidisciplinary scholar, composer, librettist, playwright, producer who works in opera and theater. Catherine McGowan is a bassoonist, composer, conductor, and arts administrator. She is a first-generation Canadian of Jewish ancestry whose parents came to Canada as refugees escaping racism and communism in Hungary. Spy and Catherine, welcome to the show. It's great that you're both here. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. And I think that was the best intro we've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you. That's great to hear. <laughs> 
So listen, yeah, it's a great name, of course, Unsettled Scores, and uh, tapping into that uh, score as a musical and, and things. And also I think it, it, it's a clever way to introduce the kind of things that you guys uh, look at in terms of your work and that you try to, 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 to delve into, yes? Mm-hmm. So why don't, you, why don't you tell us, did you guys, uh, tell us a little bit about the collaboration that got you guys together and establishing Unsettled Scores? Uh, I'd say this goes over well over a decade now. Uh, Catherine and I, we, we started collaborating as uh, collaborative composers uh, well into what the mid-2000s, roughly, mid-2000s, late-2000s, uh, and we developed our very first opera, Guy Waden, together, and from there, the rest is kind of history. But we, we, uh, we together, we sort of use uh, that, that platform as a way to uh, examine difficult issues, whether they be historical or contemporary, but we, we find it, it is a wonderful vehicle to explore uh, topics that we can engage with multiple audiences and and invite them into that kind of conversation. Yeah, do you have something to add to that, Catherine? I think sort of the birth of our collaborations actually happened in northern, northern Ontario. Uh, I play with a symphony up there in Sudbury, and Spy was there... Um, watching the rehearsal, just hanging out. And on intermission, he came up to me and I said, I think, I think we need to write an opera together. And I, um, I've learned over the years to say, okay, and then wait for the details to sort of fall into place. And that's, I, I guess, part of what I bring to uh, the collaboration is the ability to take these fantastic ideas that Spy has and figure out the ways that we can make them happen. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned collaboration a number of times there, and I think it's interesting that the, that you have this background of cultures that I always thought were a natural in terms of, of background, being Jewish and indigenous, because of the suffering, because of the, 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 the shared history of, of knowing what that means. Uh, has that helped you in that collaboration, do you think? Oh, definitely. Uh, I, I maybe Catherine would like to speak to this as well, but that's kind of where we started. We really sort of rooted our collaborative process in understanding one another's history. Actually, funny you bring that mm. point up because the the way we could then resolve any, let's say, uh, uh, artistic differences, we could always resort to understanding our differences, but also our sim- common similarities as well, and and working from sort of from that foundation. And it's actually strengthened uh, the way we, we can work as artists together. Yeah, and part of, um, part of that is I'm able to sort of uh, recite Spy's history and Spy's able to recite mine. And through that, we've been able to find all the intersections and parallels that um, we can really uh, bring to our work, this sort of mutual understanding and shared experience, even though it's from um, different parts of the world, even. Yeah, so... You know, I, I noticed on your website that uh, you guys have some, some very interesting ideas that you bring forward, uh, you know, just in the introduction about taking on some global issues musically and, and some of those other, and theatrical. So you don't just deal with music. How did you guys, how did you guys involve to, to do that kind of stuff, to, to step out beyond just your instruments to interpret, you know, and, and bring forward those things? Okay, well, the, we both have multidisciplinary backgrounds. Okay. Um, uh, Catherine comes uh, as a, primarily as an orchestral player, musician, but, uh, and you might want to speak more to that experience as well. But myself, 
uh, I have delved in uh, and and have trained in theater as well as a background. So bringing these kind of um, perspectives together uh, in, uh, invites some really interesting ways to be innovative with the form. Uh, so uh, it also opens up collaborations beyond ourselves, bringing in other artists like directors who, let's say, for example, have worked in film or have worked primarily in, in uh, the raw kind of theater form to people that have worked in stand-up. So it's bringing a, a really interesting perspective to, to the terrain for us that we can then uh, expand uh, the possibilities of what we'd like to see. So sometimes we will literally go approach people, say, these are the reasons why we'd love to collaborate with you because you bring these talents, these gifts, and these perspectives uh, along with a wealth of experience and knowledge. And we think that that would really kind of um, uh, complement the aesthetic that we're striving for, particularly with our new opera works or our chamber works. And, and by that, literally let, letting people sort of then take leadership in their area and, and expanding that project. Uh, for the, so that's the, some of the ways it's mm. enabled us to to innovate the form for ourselves. Uh, and I'm going to speak a little bit about my background as an orchestral musician, but I know that Spy feels the same way as um, just the real estate I take up as a bassoonist. I'm usually towards the back of the orchestra, and um, it's often a place where you're sort of overlooked by what's going on, the more romantic things that are going on ahead of you. And, in, and you know, the conductor sometimes doesn't really notice you, and also sometimes the music, unfortunately, takes on a very oompa-pa feel from, from my instrument. So uh, one thing with everything that we create, we don't want to put anything out there that a musician or an artist would not enjoy to perform themselves. Uh, so we really look at everything that we're doing and just making sure that what we are creating is all-encompassing and involves everybody equally. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned bassoon, so I'm going to bring this up because I saw it in your bio and I was very intrigued by it. Um, and it, you mentioned earlier that uh, you you guys have the only, the only electric bassoon uh, orchestra, is that? Uh, band. Band in the world. <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool on its own. Yes, I should um, mention it was the first and is still the only after seven <laughs> years. So I'm not sure what that means for the form. <laughs> but yeah, one of my side projects is I have an electric bassoon cover band called DFM. And um, it's four bassoons and a percussionist. And a lot of those musicians, actually, they're fantastic people. And we've, um, although it's a side project for me, we've involved all those guys on um, our projects Curious, in yeah. one in one way or another. It's true. So yeah. listen, I haven't heard an electric bassoon. I really would like to hear it. And I was hoping you'd bring it in today. But <laughs> listen, if people are intrigued by this and mm-hmm. want to hear what that sounds like, is there somewhere they can go to your to your your site or to your your personal site that that they can hear this? Well, our um, our site, Unsettled Scores, is unsettledscores.com. Mm-hmm. And if you go to my bio, you can definitely find your way to DFM. Mm-hmm. But their website is DFM Bassoon. Okay. And they can hear something from that? Yeah, there are a few videos from live performances, and we also have some music videos, including one with um, a drag queen from several years back. So, No, that's with the, the, the bassoon band? Yes. Okay, so I want to get back to, to Unsettled Scores and some of the work that they have done. But first, I would like to ask you, how did that idea come up about an electric bassoon? Uh, I, we were 
we were bored with playing Oom Papa and <laughs> <laughs> wanted to uh, play other things. So we have some Fleetwood Mac, some... Um, uh, Any Hendrix? <laughs> uh, oh, yes, no, she, we do. Seriously. We do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think we've covered a lot. We've yeah, covered, could... We try to cover everything um, from you know, the 70s through the 90s and That's doing cool. some modern stuff. Great. Basically stuff we never get to play. <laughs> That's so so much fun. That's great. Um, now, let's talk about Unsettled Scores because we have been talking a lot about that and you've given some people some really in- intriguing uh, comments about the kind of thing that you've done. Can you give us a little bit of an example of, of a work that you have performed that gives people a little more of an idea of the kind of thing that, that has come out of that? collaboration and what has ended up on stage? Yeah, so um, certainly a lot of the work we do, we do um, does have an Indigenous um, content to it, but not exclusively so. Uh, so we, a few years ago, we were approached by Nota Bene Baroque players out of Kitchener-Waterloo. They were uh, doing a work Uh, They were programming a concert all about the the Grand River, which is a local issue for them. And they wanted to have um, some Indigenous participation in it. So they approached us because uh, they knew both of our works. We've uh, Mm -hmm. hired some of their guys before and had really positive experiences. So they really wanted us to create something for that concert. And Spy had a really amazing way of just um, asking the questions that they that they should probably ask in any sort of collaboration with another with another community community that they're not um, a part of, uh, you know, in te- intentions, what they want to achieve, and all their everything they wanted to do was very pure and, and um, good hearted. But one th- question Spy brought up was, well, Grand River is very steeped in history and it's um, it's very connected to Six Nations. And Spy said, I'm from Northern Ontario, I'm not Six Nations. So I wouldn't feel comfortable speaking on behalf of that community. So he sort of gave them an out, is there anybody else you'd like to work with? And they said, no, we know you guys, we'd like to work with you guys. So uh, we found a way to bring up these issues without um, presuming to speak on behalf of a community, but still uh, writing a work that they were very happy with and that we were very happy with uh, because it said something that we felt was very important. Yeah, mm-hmm. they tackled really uh, issues around water conservation, and that, that is an issue in the areas of Alora, Fergus, Guelph, all through like the Grand River Area, so it, it was. It became something that could be uh, that the story itself could be not just topical but expansive in terms of it reaching multiple mm. communities and people, and 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 it, and sort of communicates that message more than it being specific to one one group mm. of people. Mm. It, it's affecting the kind of the world and water circulates. So the way people circulate around the world together, so it, it became more that kind of conversation that opened up, and mm. and then also became. A really wonderful beginning point for a collaboration that I thought was it was a lot of fun. It was really exciting. It was nice and challenging for us as well. Uh, it, it allowed us to work with uh, the instruments that we really enjoy working with, or, or period instruments, um, while dealing with something that's kind of really now current. Mm-hmm. 
and what's happening. And um, yeah, so it, it was it was wonderful in that regard. Yeah. Do you mind me asking what were the issues they were talking about that was around the Grand River that they were concerned about or they were bringing forward? Well, I think they were hoping, in that case, it's just having Indigenous representation. Ah, okay. And, and I mean, as, as I am, quote, unquote, mm. local now, like mm. I live in, in the mm-hmm. Hamilton area, it's still, it, it's very different right. than, than when you are actually from a community. And it's just, it was just a point to bring up because as we are ex- exploring kind of more uh, intercultural collaboration, these are qu- important questions. We ask them ourselves, too. Mm-hmm. It also is a question we pose ourselves about what projects we might take on or not because of that very mm-hmm. reason um and so that that's that, that's purely all it was you know mm-hmm. so i want to say now and miigwech to you uh spy for actually acknowledging the fact that you were not from the community and that you didn't feel comfortable speaking on behalf of that community because that i think that um a lot of people don't understand they think a lot of indigenous people are all one they don't understand the different nations the languages the cultures and certainly you're absolutely correct of course the grand river is uh, hugely steeped in history, and uh, it was. Um, uh, I'm from Six Nations, so uh, I'm very familiar with the whole Haldeman deed mm-hmm. and and how that was given to uh, to the Six Nations from uh, the British for uh, being their ally in the War of 1812. Six miles on either side, yeah. from its source to its mouth, uh, and of course they have a little stamp yeah. left of that yeah. original area. Um, so I appreciate that. That's great. And and yeah, and miigwech for that. Um, so listen, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the future. You guys have a show coming up. Yeah, we do. Uh, we're we're uh, participating uh, uh, in a celebration of nations at uh, St. Catharines this coming weekend where we are invited to present um, a, an evening of music and concerts. So we have two pieces that we're showing. One is a piece that we premiered last year. It's uh, about a 45-minute Requiem, Chamber Requiem, and the other is a is going to be a premiere, which we're quite excited uh, having these two pieces coupled together, and they they're for the same instruments, uh, with the exception being the 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 piece that's being premiered, Radar is what it's called, uh, is just purely for instruments, and then uh, Contraries, a Chamber Requiem, includes four voices, and Catherine will be conducting. Hmm. Um. So. Anything else beyond that this weekend? What's coming up later on? What do you guys got going on? Yeah, we um, we're very excited. Uh, I'm I grew up in Scarborough, and uh, a lot of my early formative bassooning years were spent with the Scarborough Philharmonic Orchestra, and they are celebrating their 40th anniversary this year, this season. So um, we've actually premiered a few pieces with them before. So they came to us and asked us to write a piece for them. So we are going to be um, premiering a new work with them on November the 30th. Uh, it's going to be called Rouge Winter, and it's going to be a work about the um, Rouge National Park. The, the, mm. I believe it's Canada's only urban park and what it's like in winter and who resides there. We are speaking with Unsettled Scores, the people that co-founded Unsettled Scores back in 2006. They are Dr. Spy Dinom Welch, and he is an Anishinaabe Algonquin multidisciplinary scholar, composer, librettist, playwright, producer, who also works with opera and theater. And Catherine McGowan, she is a bassoonist, electric bassoonist, I might add, a composer, conductor, and arts administrator. I can't get over that electric bassoon thing. I, sorry. <laughs> and she's a first-generation Canadian of Jewish ancestry, 
bringing an interesting collaboration to the two of them as they go through and create some multidisciplinary uh, performances. And the people they've worked with, you, you know, you guys really have had, as you pointed out earlier, a really interesting array of people that you've, you've gotten involved with from uh, stand-up comics, as you mentioned. Uh, but taking on some really interesting uh, topics that the world is facing as well. Yeah, um, one of our one of our goals with Unsettled Scores is to really um, bring the up and coming Indigenous talent onto the stage. And um, when we did our first large production, Gwaden, in two thousand ten, it was a co production between our company and Native Earth Performing Arts. At that time, it was the first uh, Indigenous opera that was produced by and by two Indigenous-led companies. And at that time, we had some fantastic Indigenous talent, but there were a lot of roles that were um, filled with absolutely amazing allies, but we really wanted to provide, um, provide opportunities for young Indigenous talent to come up. So we're really excited because our upcoming um, presentation at Celebration of Nations is uh, we have all Indigenous singers and even an Indigenous bass trombonist. And we have gotten to the point where um, we're able to hire a lot of Indigenous talent. Um, the only, I guess, area that we're still uh, working on is in instrumentalists. And we've been able to source a few, but we would love to hear about any um, anybody coming up through the ranks or uh, as instrumentalists or really anything, designers, administrators, artists um we we would love to pr provide opportunities to everybody that we can well said <laughs> pardon <laughs> that was well said <laughs> i have a question for both you guys it's it's a personal one uh hopefully not too personal but i'm just wondering what does a bassoonist listen to for music and who do you listen to uh and admire musically oh my goodness that's a tough one i've been um we we um I've been obsessed with like classic vinyl mm -hmm. stuff. So any of those oldies, I I I love to sit out in our veggie garden and uh, just blast those tunes and just whoever comes on. Um, but I I'm if I had a goal for the next year, I would like to learn more about punk because I <laughs> I feel like there's something I could learn from that movement. So I think that's. That's my goal. Um, other than that, I love broke music. Mm. Um, romantic music can get a little bit too much for me, but mm. I do uh, like some of the more contemporaries like Mahler and Stravinsky mm. and that kind of Shostakovich definitely mm. because he speaks to uh, <laughs> my Eastern European ancestry. But yeah, I think that's uh, that's where the electric bassoonist would come from. Punk bassoon, yeah, I can see that. Absolutely, that's great. Um, and Spy, what about yourself? Everything, honestly, mm. I love everything. I, I grew up in a home where music, you know, uh, it was it was welcomed. So we had just about everything. So I could listen to everything from Buffy Saint Marie to uh, Bob Dylan to Beethoven to Maria Callas, you you name it. So I, I was really I'm really lucky in that mm. regard that. I, I I don't feel like I was cheated mm. or uh, you know sold short on that one. Mm. I got to listen to just about everything. So as a result, that appetite's still there. Uh, anywhere I find myself, I will go into a, a music shop and buy something that maybe I've never heard before, and I, I'm happy to listen to it. Great. 
Yeah, and and and, and even like my younger cousin who just released an album, I, I just was like, okay, I'll go buy that. He's he's he does metal music, so it's, <laughs> it's different genres of mine. But I'm like, oh, what Should we do? We plug him? Yeah, yeah, Brandon 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 Cambridge. Mm. Yep, and yeah. I think his album's called uh, Celestial Celestial, Qu- Celestial Quest. Thank you. <laughs> it's five tunes on it. It's on <laughs> iTunes. I was really proud of him. You know, like I thought right. it was so cool. He was thinking. Did of, they need an electric bassoonist? <laughs> he might eventually. I think we pitched it to him before. I don't. I don't know if he's down with it, but I'll keep working on him. Okay, one more question. It goes back to you again for bassoon. And I I, I just, because we don't (laughs) very often get a bassoonist to talk to, right? It's not sort of of the most popular instrument, you might say. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) What what are the characteristics of the bassoon that attracted you to it? Oh, uh, well, it has a very deep sound, Mm -hmm. but it also can go quite high. And it just had this very um, organic, earthy sound to me. Uh, it could uh, rock your wo- world with the with the bass lines, but mm. it could also just pump out a s- tuneful, soulful melody. But it could also be a, quite a joker, and then hook up some guitar pedals to it, and <laughs> I don't know what happens. <laughs> Got to hear that. Um, we know you have a show coming up. Why don't you guys pump that once more just before we end? Saturday, September the 7th, a part of Celebration of Nations at First Ontario Performing Arts Centre at 7.30. Tickets are $20. However, if you self-identify as Indigenous, send an email to info at unsettledscores.com. And if we have tickets left, we will be glad to sign you up for some. Great. Uh, It has been a pleasure to speak with both of you. Uh, It sounds like some uh, great... Uh, some wonderful things that you have done, and that's what really intrigued me about this this collaboration that you guys have going on and the kind of projects you're bringing forward. So, Nyawa, miigwech for coming in. Appreciate your time. All the best to both of you in the future. Miigwech. I also want to say Nyawa, miigwech, wanishi, and thank you to everyone who helps put Moment of Truth together. They include in Ottawa, Jill Kennedy and Caroline O'Neill. In Toronto, Andrew Johnson, Luca Capone, Kathy Zaboken, Bruce Barber, Andrew St. Germain, Nyawa, miigwech, and thanks for listening.